peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? This study right here is sending me into a brain and research overload. And I knew this was going to happen. And this is one of the reasons why I won't say I avoided uh, the book of Jonah, but I parlayed on it for quite a while because I knew what was going to happen. And this is enjoyable to me. I am not in, I'm not sure if the way I have studied this book is going to be enjoyable to my listeners. If this is not your cup of tea, I apologize. If history is not your cup of tea, I apologize because there's probably going to be a lot of history infused into this book. There's there's so much about the book of Jonah that's widely not known, and not necessarily the book itself, maybe the time surrounding the book, right? The events around everything that was happening. Um, the book of Jonah is interesting to that end because studying this book is kind of changing the way I study my Bible in general. Typically, when I, after I got saved, my Bible study cons uh, consisted of uh, some commentaries, cross-referencing different verses, and, you know, uh, uh, comparing scripture with scripture, rightly so, as it should be. As I looked at the book of Jonah, what began to happen is I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot to this book that I don't know. And there's some things about this book that when you go into a greater historical study, when you look at the backdrop of some of the things happening in the book of Jonah, you quickly begin to realize that, oh, snap, there's a lot about this book that makes more sense. When I have some of that historical backdrop in history, I, I understand a little more about what's going on. So without further ado, the book of Jonah, chapter one. And I believe we left off at verse three last time. So I'm going to read verse three and go down to verse four. See how far we get with this. Let's get into this. Okay, so in verse three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's amazing that Jonah, you have to remember, Jonah is a prophet of God. There, there are things that I, I think it's safe to assume that Jonah definitely understood 
Can you escape from the presence of God? Let me move my mic. I got a new mic, so I'm trying to get my placement just right to figure out where I need to be. But so anyway, I, I think it would have been very obvious to Jonah that you can't escape and get away from God. Where are you going to go to hide from God? It's just not going to happen. In the book of Psalms, chapter 139 and verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Now, I'm not going to say that just because this is recorded in the scripture that Jonah understood it. But I think that is definitely a very safe assumption that Jonah understood that principle. So it's kind of interesting that Jonah would flee uh, as the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't understand necessarily what that means exactly. Does that mean that Jonah thought that he could literally get away from God? I think that's kind of silly. I don't think he thought that. Maybe it's just that Jonah felt that he could get away from what God desired of him. That makes more sense, in my opinion, even though it's still ridiculous, you know, on its face. This is just Jonah. This is not something you're going to be able to do. If this is something God told you to do directly, it would behoove you to do it or life's probably not going to go too well. So Jonah flees. Now he's going to Tarshish. Now I want to say something else about Tarshish. I've been doing a bunch of reading uh, uh, across a bunch of things about this issue. Now, Tarshish is the furthest place, uh, uh, the place furthest out from what would be considered modern civilization at this time, right? It's the furthest thing. Uh, to give it some comparison, for those in the United States, again, this is for those in the United States, Australia is about as far from the United States as you can get. I think that's the like the farthest place you can fly from the U.S., right? And if you're in Australia, think about it like the U.S., as far as you can go, right? If you're in Africa, you know, de depending on your respective country, wherever you're at, either the U.S. or Australia is going to be the farthest thing from you, right? If you're in Europe, same thing. So kind of think of it that way, right? Tarshish was the furthest place you could absolutely get outside of the known world. Now, why does that matter? That matters for several reasons. It matters because one, Jonah's headed there and it's going to matter. Well, I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit. Jonah's headed there. Why is he headed there? Why does this make sense? As I explained in another video, it makes perfect sense if he's trying to escape the Assyrian Empire. Tarshish is as far as you can go. So the Assyrian Empire definitely did not reach to Tarshish. And there's there's more than likely many reasons for that, 
one, the landmass that you would have to cross and or the body of ocean that you would have to cross to get to Tarshish just made it not worth it. Kind of pays to live far off, especially during this time. I know that paid off for the Scots during the expansion of Rome. Uh, that expansion stopped at Scotland. It was just too far off. The Roman army was extended too far. Again, I know that's getting into a little bit of history. But I, I do want to get into a little bit of history. And I want to go to this article or not article, something that was said by, uh, I believe, is the Greek historian Herodotus. So Herodotus said um, in one of his writings, it is actually mentioned in several places in this writing. I'll, I'll just um, get to it just briefly. Well, let me go to the first mention. Says um, uh, to be the Nile, the reason uh, favors that view for the Nile certainly flows out of Libya, dividing it down the middle. And I was conceiving judging the unknown from the known rises at the same distance from the mouth, uh, as the Ister. this, uh, this latter river has its source in the country of the Celts, uh, near the city Pyrene and runs through the middle of Europe, dividing it into, into two portions the Celts live beyond the pillars of Hercules in the border of uh, Cynesians. Now, these pillars of Hercules are going to matter, right? Something else that was said. Um, the, Carth the Carthaginians also relate the following. There is a country in Libya and a nation beyond the pillars of Hercules, now, what does that statement even mean beyond the pillars of Hercules? Well, I'm going to explain to you what that means. So the pillars of Hercules, if you look in southern Spain, right uh, around Gibraltar, there is a, a, a rock formation uh, that, from what I understand, was formed by the ocean. Um, I don't really understand the details, but the way it looks like it's a rock cliff and it looks like pillars is actually pretty incredible. Um, I was watching a video where there were some people who walked to the pillars of Hercules, right? So there is a civilization beyond the pillars of Hercules, right? So in order to get beyond that, you'd have to, now, if you're looking at my video, I'm kind of scrolling through the map. Right. So the known world at the time is right in this region of the Mediterranean. But when you leave the Mediterranean, you get to the uh, Tyrrhenian Sea right around Italy. And then right before you exit that pass, right where Gibraltar is, you pass the uh, out the Alberon Sea and then you go out into the Atlantic Ocean. Now, there's a civilization beyond the pillars of Hercules. 
my assumption, right? I'm and this, and this is again, this is the, the the history geek in me, not history buff. I always like to correct that because I don't remember things in detail, but history intrigues me. But there's a civilization beyond the pillars of Hercules, so it is my assumption wherever Tarshish is. Whether Tarshish is the United Kingdom, Ireland, Iceland, wherever it is, it is definitely outside of the Mediterranean Sea and past the uh, Pillars of Hercules, which is the Straits of Gibraltar, right? This is very intriguing. Here's why this is intriguing. Okay, so when you go back to the Book of Jonah, excuse me, and you look at verse four, the Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Here's why that matters. And here's, here's why that is extremely important. The ships of Tarshish, which again, some of this is assumption, but I, I think it's assumption based on some good circumstantial evidence. Jonah's getting on this ship and he's headed to Tarshish. So it would make sense that this is one of the ships of Tarshish. Now at the time, again, I've been doing a lot of reading on a lot of peripheral things. At the time, the ships of Tarshish were considered the greatest sea uh, seaworthy vessels known to man at the time they were the strongest sea vessels known to be able to travel long distances and when i say long distances these ships were known to make travels that were three-year travels which again brings up the idea of travel to the americas and and I'm not just saying that because I'm American. I'm saying that because this intrigues me. There were there were people here in the Americas before any of the explorers got here. There were already people here. Well, how did these people get here? How do you explain the fact that uh, some of the pyramids in uh, South America mirror so much the pyramids you find in the Middle East? All of these things is intriguing, and why this matters. The ships of Tarshish, some of the strongest ships known to be the strongest ships at the time. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Why does that matter? If this thing was if if this wind was so incredible was so impactful, was so powerful that this ship was almost broken. One of the ships of Tarshish, strongest ships at the time, then this wind was no joke, which makes me think that Jonah went on a suicide mission. This is very interesting. So Tempest means an extensive current of wind rushing with a great velocity and violence. A storm of extreme violence. We usually apply the word to a steady wind of long continuance. So this wind was no joke. This, 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 this storm was so strong. It was about to break this ship in pieces. And where's Jonah? Let's read that. 
Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it, uh, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So this is what I've always heard. And I hear this from many commentators. I always hear that Jonah was afraid of the Assyrians and that's why he didn't want to go. To me, that doesn't make sense for several reasons. One, I'm not going to say all the prophets were brave because I, I would be lying. They had moments of weakness. But what you see, you see a common theme throughout the Bible. Prophets were generally not as fearful as the common person of the time. And I think Jonah fell in that category. Okay, on top of that, let's say you believe Jonah was afraid of the Assyrians, but yet he would be fast asleep in this ship while this raging storm is going. Think about this. This this storm was about to destroy this ship and Jonah's fast asleep. Like that that doesn't sound to me like a dude who's really fearful. Now, Jonah is naive, Jonah is foolish, and at the moment acting in wickedness, no doubt. How can you escape from the presence of God? That's another thing. Like how again, I I I don't think that that this means he thought he was going to get literally get away from God. Like how are you going to get away from God? But I do think that he was under the impression he could escape what God wanted him to do. And there was no escape in that, right? There was no escape in this. God told him, go to Nineveh, preach to the city you're going to go. Here's the thing. It's amazing to me, the parallels in the book of Jonah with what, what goes on in the New Testament. Here's a Hebrew prophet being sent to a people that are not the people of God, right? Being sent to the Assyrians, the seat of the Assyrian empire in Nineveh. Similar to the way you see the gospel go out from the children of Israel to the Gentiles in the New Testament. Very similar. And the Lord Jesus Christ uh, made reference to the book of Jonah. We're going to get to that when we get to the end of uh, end of chapter one. But I don't think Jonah was afraid of the Assyrians. I honestly believe, and I'm not saying this definitively, I honestly believe that Jonah had hatred for the Assyrians. They were the enemies of Israel. They were brutal. They no doubt tortured some people that Jonah probably knew. Jonah probably heard stories of people being tortured by the Assyrians. And Jonah himself probably knew people who were tortured by the Assyrians. And it was brutal. These dudes were sick. So I can see how Jonah would would harbor some hatred. I'm not saying it's right. Again, as I always say, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying this is a human response that I understand. So knowing that, is Jonah really afraid of the Assyrians? No, I think Jonah is ticked off and does not want to preach anything to Assyrians. He does not want to assist them at all. And I honestly believe he was under the assumption that even the possibility of the Assyrians repenting and receiving mercy from God turned Jonah's stomach and he would rather die. I think this was a suicide mission. I won't get into it this video, Lord willing, next video. 
They were going to throw Jonah into the sea. This sea right here that's raging so bad that it's going to tear apart one of the ships of Tarshish. Jonah had to know, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to die in this water. He's the one that told them, if you want to escape this, look, throw me in. So Jonah had to know, in his mind at least, this was a death sentence. He was going to die, and he would rather die than preach to the Assyrians. And again, I don't think it was fear. <laughs> a, a man that's fearful would not be asleep in a ship uh, that, that's being tossed to and fro like we see here. We see what happened with the, with the disciples in the New Testament. That wind got a little iffy when they were on the ship, and homies got real scared. But that's not Jonah. I don't think it was fear. I think it was pure hatred. Jonah did not want to take this message from God to these what he uh, what he probably thought in his mind, these heathen people. Jonah wanted to get as far away from that as possible. But God, as God always does, not only has better plans, but had plans that was going to supersede whatever it was Jonah wanted. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.